The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Geological. My guest today is Robin Ray Green. Robin is an author. She's written a book called Heal Your Child from the Inside Out. She's been the guest of many different podcast shows, uh, some of which include Nutrition Heretic and Hay House Radio. She has a practice that primarily focuses on kids, which is where the book came from. And in particular, kids, the kind, they're not really sick, but they're not really well. There's some kind of chronic thing that's going on. She often works with asthma and allergies and skin conditions. So this is the focus of our show today, working with chronic issues with kids, helping them to get better so they don't need to go to any dang doctor at all. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula 
or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code CHEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Robin, welcome to Geological. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here too. I don't see a huge amount of kids. I don't consider myself a kid specialist, but when my patients say, "Will you see my kid?" you know, I'm happy to do so. So, I've got a little bit of experience with kids, enough to know that they're really different than adults in many ways, and looking forward to finding out more about how I can help some of these young patients in my own. I'm Curious to know, as a beginning, is there any sort of inciting story or something that happened that sent you down this path of treating children? Yes, it certainly wasn't where I envisioned myself being when I was in acupuncture school. I thought I was going to be a sports acupuncturist. My background was in exercise science, and after I had my son, I was right out of acupuncture school. He had a severe case of eczema that Western medicine was unable to treat, and we went to many different specialists, and we had all kinds of testing done. And at the end of the day, the doctors were basically like, "Well, here's some creams, and put some bleach in his bath, and you know, he'll just probably outgrow it." And do we hear this all the time, or what? Yes, of course. Now, being my own child and seeing him suffer every day. That is something I just couldn't let stand. I couldn't just, you know, be very fatalistic about it and hope that someday he would outgrow it. And that is what spurred me to start training in pediatrics, simply with the desire to heal my son. But along the way, during that journey of training and sharing my son's story with my friends and my patients, I realized my real calling was to work with kids. And sort of organically, my family practice was born. Wow, you know, it's. Amazing, isn't it? How so often we can set off in a particular direction. It gets us started, and then somewhere along the way, we go, "Oop, nope, actually over there." Exactly, and it's so often unexpected. It is unexpected. It comes right out of the periphery. 
tell us a little bit about how you work with kids, like like your child, who they've got this skin condition. Western medicine says, well, you know, there's steroids, there's creams, mainly we're scratching our head. What kind of things do you see with these kids, especially from our Chinese medicine point of view? Are there any particular patterns or, or things that seem to show up that, you know, the average practitioner would commonly see in their practice that they should think about? Well, I think the first thing that we need to know about children is that inherently they come into this world with uh, underdeveloped lung, kidney, and spleen chi. So it's it's growing, it's developing, but it's not quite as strong as it's going to be later on in childhood and then, of course, into adulthood. And children today are faced with a lot of different challenges that, say, 50, 60 years ago, I don't think we were facing Environmental toxins are a big concern, plastics, the extreme increase in vaccinations. You know, we're now, yeah, yeah, we're we're vaccinating something like 14 different vaccines and 41 doses by the time they're six years old. So it's a lot of challenges to the body. And then on top of that, I feel like our food has changed. There's a lot more processed food. Um, People's guts are out of balance. So there's a lot of different factors going on. And all it takes is just this perfect storm, one little thing to sort of be like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's just one little thing. And then it puts these kids over the edge and then they start to have asthma or allergies or eczema or sleeping problems or digestive stuff or focus issues. And unfortunately, Western medicine, there isn't really a one size fits all solution for these problems. We have to dig a little bit deeper. We have to look at, you know, the child's medical history, and we have to look at the health of their spleen chi, their gut. A lot of times what I find is that children have a lot of food sensitivities. They are not able to tolerate things like gluten or dairy, eggs, peanuts, and and other foods. And this in turn continues the body to be in this sort of inflamed state where there's just a lot of heat all the time, a lot of heat, and that heat can manifest on the skin or in the lungs. Or we can have kids that are really deficient, you know, kids that were where they just have those dark circles under their eyes and they just don't look as vibrant or connected to the world around them. And so these are the types of things that we're seeing. You know, you can go to the doctor, but what can the doctor do when your child just isn't well? You know, there's nothing they can, they run the blood test, they do all the testing, they send you to specialists and there's really nothing wrong from the Western perspective, but children aren't thriving. And that's where I feel like Chinese medicine is so beautiful because we don't need a Western diagnosis. We, we can use our medicine. We can figure out, you know, what's gone wrong and where the imbalances are. And then we can gently nurture that child back to full and vibrant health. Yeah. We well, kids are so full of young energy. Mm-hmm. I can see how, you know, if you get a little bit of extra heat, man, that can just you know, easily flared. Do you tend to see with these kids that there's more heat and less dampness or does it just depend on the kid? It just depends on the kid. And, and what I'm seeing more of is a lot of, of a contradictory things. So I'll see like chi deficiency with dampness. We'll see, you know, dampness and dryness at the same time. We'll see excess and deficiency at the same time. So it's not always a pattern is like complicated. It's not always straightforward, like, obvious spleen chi deficiency where there's loose stools and fatigue and maybe the child's napping a lot and they they just have poor muscle tone that's sometimes but a lot of times it's very complicated so it's 
it just takes some experience to weed through all of the signs and symptoms to find the underlying root cause. Right. I mean, this is common even with adults. It's so common that on occasion when I get a textbook patient, I doubt myself. Right. It's, it's like, almost really? Too easy. That's, oh, that is exactly <laughs> Bujong Ichitang. Wow. Who would have thought? Since it is such a common thing to see contradictory signs, and, and especially in kids, any wisdom for us on how you work with that stuff? What's your process for looking at these complicated, intertwined situations and untangling those threads? Well, there's really a couple components to what I'll do. And the first part is understanding the child's five element nature. Who is this child? How is their temperament influencing their illness? How is it all connected? So the first thing I do is I have them fill out my five element questionnaire. I had the parents fill it out actually. And then I get a sense for who this child is. You know, if they have a, a dominant wood personality or if they have metal influencing, you'll often see whatever the child's dominant element is, you'll see illnesses usually related to that, but not always. So that gives me some clues. And then the second part of the questionnaire they fill out is like a five element diagnostic questionnaire. And this takes them through each of the elements, what signs and symptoms may be apparent if the child is deficient in that element or excess. Then that further guides me down to, okay, what are our priorities? I can see, say, for instance, a child with frequent illness and eczema the metal element is going to be their priority. And then when I'm diagnosing for herbs, I'll then dial that down into a specific diagnosis to help me pick the right herbal formula. So that's the first part. And then the second part is I actually use the AccuGraph system. It's a meridian analysis. And it's really so helpful for kids because kids can't tell me always, especially when they're really young, they cannot tell me you know, my head hurts here and it feel, the quality of the pain is this, like they can't, I'm only getting maybe what the parents are observing and not a lot of additional information that an adult could provide. And so the AccuGraph can show me where the meridians are out of balance. And then combining that with the information from the five elements, I'm able to give a very good root and branch treatment for the child. Yeah. I can see how those two different perspectives could help to dial something in. You know, it's it's trickier with kids because they, they are not as expressive as adults, at least verbally, generally speaking. You know, you mentioned that one of the things you want to do is get a sense of the dominant element of the kid. And I think a lot of us are used to doing that with adults. And I'm sure that this is in your book. So, you know, people can go there and really get the depth of it. But just for our listeners today, could you go through the five elements just briefly and tell us what a fire kid would look like or what would a metal kid look like? How okay, would we know? Sure. Yeah. So the first thing to remember before we go into each element is that really we all have all five elements within us and one element sort of shapes us more than the other four. And for some people, there's two elements that really shape them more than the other three. So just keeping that in mind. The other thing to keep in mind with children is that until they reach about five or six, it can be more difficult to determine their element type. And you may kind of go back and forth on a couple elements, not knowing which one really is dominant yet. So just allowing that process to unfold as you observe the child, as you observe how they are at home and in other environments, you'll get a better sense as they get a little bit older. 
But I'd like to think of the elements on a continuum from most yang to most yin and most yang being the wood element. And wood children are, they're very driven. They're very physically active, like go, go, go kind of kids. They're the ones that are like figuring out, oh, if I just put the chair over here, I can climb on the counter and get to the cookie jar on top of the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Entrepreneurs. Yes, exactly. You'll already see that. And so like in my clinic, when I'm working with wood children, a lot of, there's a lot of movements. Like we don't sit still on the table. Like we know, especially a toddler who's a wood child, we're going to be probably on the floor playing with some toys and we've got to, I've got to switch things up to move with that dynamic personality and physicality of a wood child. And then we have fire children that are also very active and very uh, curious and, and outgoing, but they're not quite as driven as the wood child. They're a little bit more curious. So as things like they're the more more of the bright, shiny object child. Oh, what's that over there? And they're they're wanting to touch and poke and experience and explore. But their real motivation is, is just being the center of attention and being adored and loved. So they might entertain you. They might want to have your attention. And, and a lot of times fire kids are like, mom, 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 look what I'm doing. Mom, look over here. Like they just love all that attention all the time. And in the middle of the continuum, we have the earth child and earth children are, have a mixture of yin and yang qualities. So at times they can be very outgoing. Um, they're very friendly. They're very loving, um, caring helpers. Those are the, often you'll see like the mama's little helpers they, they'd like to nurture and love pets or baby brothers or baby sisters, and they're very lovable. And then at other times, they might be shy and uh, want to hide behind mom, and they'll kind of flip-flop between those two. So oftentimes, earth children are difficult to type because you kind of feel like they could be more than one element, but a lot of times, they're really just the earth element. Right, and it sounds like yin and yang aspects of that earth element. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And then we move into the metal element and earth kids are sweet and metal kids are just really super sweet kids. They, they just really have this visionary quality about them. They notice a lot of things in their environment. They're very empathic and pick up a lot of energy. The metal kids. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They have a very physical, empathic um, fire kids are also very empathic as well in a different way, more in the emotional sense. Metal kids are empathic, like uh, in the sense, like physically, they can feel what others are feeling. They'll feel it in their body. They need those rhythms that have a sort of already a natural sense of right or wrong. So like a metal child who I'm treating at my office, if I tell them, you know, no, you can't climb on there, they'll never do it again. You know, you don't really have to tell metal kids twice. You probably don't even need like all the baby proofing, like the, the electric outlet plugs and all of that for metal kids. Cause they, they'll most likely not, once you tell them what the rules are, they're pretty much just going to follow that. Then we move on to water kids and water kids are, they can be out of sync with the rest of the world because they have such deep uh, emotional connections. They are deep thinkers. They have deep feelings. They have really rich imaginations. And so they can sometimes be a little bit in their own world. They often don't require as much affection and attention as like the wood, fire, or earth kids. Stephen Cowan, who wrote the book Fire Child, Water Child, talks about for water kids, less is love. 
So just being with them, just being present with them really fills their bucket. They don't need quite as much affection or reassurance as some of the other elemental types. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. I'm thinking about, and I hear this a lot, and, I, and I've had patients that you know often talk about exactly the kind of kids that you've been describing, where they've got they've got this eczema, or they've got these allergies. Can you walk us through a treatment or two to give us an idea of of how you actually take all of this and spin it up into a treatment and a formula? Yeah. So the first thing I do is a really thorough intake with the parents and I get a sense for the child's birth history. Were they born via C-section? Was it a natural birth? How old was the mom? Uh, was there any trauma? The birth is really important for determining often the gut health of this child. So when children are born and go through the vaginal canal, they get their first inoculation of the bacteria that's going to populate their gut. And when that does not happen due to a C-section, that can leave the gut open to being populated with other bacteria that we don't necessarily want. And then I also want to know the child's vaccine history. Were they vaccinated? Were there any vaccine reactions? Um, the other really important thing when I'm working with chronic illness in children is to know when did the symptoms start? Because what I find when I'm working with toddlers is a lot of symptoms begin at around a year when the child either goes from breast milk to cow's milk or, you know, the bottle, you know, formula to, to solid foods. And I find if the child's spleen, she is not fully developed or, you know, if, from a Western terms, if the gut flora has not fully developed in the child, there's a tendency for that child to have a lot of food sensitivities. And when they're eating those foods that are triggering a lot of inflammation or damp heat in the body, then that's a lot of times the underlying culprit. The other really important thing to note is any strong illnesses that the child had, like if they had a stomach flu or if they had, you know, some other illness like hand, foot, mouth disease. I recently had a patient who's I'm treating for arthritis and she's nine years old and she's got a long history of like, she's got celiac disease. She has a long history of other food sensitivities and then when she was seven, she got hand, foot, mouth. 
And that triggered all of her joints to become red, hot, and swollen. Then from there, that eventually went away, but now she has chronic joint pain and chronic jaw pain as the result. So the other thing that's really important is to check for lingering pathogenic factors. Because if we can balance the gut, if we can get rid of the lingering pathogenic factors, and these children can can overcome these chronic illnesses, and they do not have to become a lifelong issue. Right. When you think about getting rid of pathogenic factors, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways of thinking about that. Yeah. Can you give a couple of examples? Sure. I think we need to see where the lingering pathogenic factor is residing in the organ systems. So is it like, for instance, in this child, it's residing in her stomach channel because it's affecting her jaw. We're also thinking about the liver and gallbladder of their relationship to, you know, the Xiaoyang and having an, an illness or a foreign invader half in, half out of the body. So I'm usually addressing points like gallbladder 34 and triple burner five. And then I'm also looking at, you know, whatever herbs we need to, to use to help with that. So that would be really specific to the diagnosis. One of the, the things that I really like uh, for kids a lot of times is, a variety of like antifungal herbs or antibacterial herbs. So as long as their spleen chi is strong enough to handle the stronger herbs, those are some of the things that I will use. So it, it really just depends on the, the issue. So for instance, with this little girl who has the lingering pathogenic factor and the jaw pain, you know, we're just starting her on a formula called Inflametics, which is a blend of turmeric, boswellia, and ginger um, to help expel the lingering pathogenic factor. And we may have to go deeper. We may need to do something like Chuan Chin Leon, or we might want to use something like Phlogisticlean, which is from the Con Herbal line. For kids, I like to take it slow and add things in one at a time, because I know with the parents that I work with, if I try and add too many things at once and something goes wrong, the child gets worse or they don't feel good or have a stomach ache, they usually just stop everything because they're not sure what's going on. So it's important just to start slowly and gently with children and then go from there. Yeah. When treating kids, I mean, you're treating the kids at the same time. You've always got the parents in mind. Absolutely. The parents are, I feel like half of what I'm doing in addition to treating the child is counseling the parents. For me, having been through it, having had a child who's been really ill and and feeling scared and afraid and not sure what to do. And when my son Noah was really sick with the eczema, I had these visions of him like being 20 years old with eczema all over his body and, you know, no one likes him and he has no friends. And, you know, of course, as mothers, we go to like the, the worst case scenario. And now I'm on the other side of it. And he's a healthy, happy 14 year old that is just amazing and has uh, a ton of friends and is, you know, his skin is doing fine. And so being on the other side of it, it's really helpful for me to help the parents see that it isn't always going to be this way, that we will find a solution and to let go of the guilt that they often hold about their child's illness. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that side of it. Yeah. It's really emotional for parents. And a lot of times when I just simply ask, you know, how are you doing with all of this? Because usually the parents that I see are already doing a lot of things for their child. They're some of them are up late at night searching the internet, trying to find solutions to their child's problem. And a lot of that emotional stuff gets internalized. And I feel like if we don't release some of that emotional baggage from the parents, 
that energy does get on some level transmitted to the child. And I think it's really important for us to help the parents heal emotionally as well and to let it go. And a lot of times, I mean, I've literally seen the parents have an emotional release in my office and the next time with just one treatment, the child is already doing better. And I feel like it's just because the parents are no longer holding all that fear. I'd like to shift this just a little bit. You mentioned earlier that you also treat issues of focus. Mm-hmm. And this is such a big thing these days. You know, so many kids are on drugs to keep them calm down or supposedly to help them focus or just keep them behaving. I'm using air quotes here um, <laughs> yes. because they're being kids and they're being asked to, you know, sit still all day. So what does Chinese medicine have to offer to the parent that doesn't want to put their kids on some kind of a, a medication? That is a fabulous question and certainly a concern that many, many, many parents have. And I think the first clue to this whole problem is understanding the nature of their child. If they have a wood or a fire child, the chances are much, much higher that their child will have maybe not necessarily a diagnostic label, but a label from the parents of hyperactivity or, or inability to focus or even parents labeling their own children as ADHD. So I think in part, we have to understand that it's very difficult for a wood child to sit still in a classroom setting, to sit still and pay attention and do worksheets and follow this very you know, structured environment. Equally, a water child can have issues in a very structured environment. They're, they're a little more go with the flow and they tend to learn in a different way. And they, because they're quiet, they may be left behind. They may not be focused and not learn the lesson because they were daydreaming about something else. So the first part is understanding who the child is. And a lot of times when parents under, have a better understanding of their child's innate nature, it helps them to understand that the child isn't willfully doing things it's just part of who they are and part of the way that they're reacting to the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. They're not broken. Right. They're not that broken. That child's they're... not broken. She's just a wood girl. Exactly. And I don't want to replace one label with another label, but I feel like the five elements, when we can understand through that lens, a wood child is not, there's nothing bad about a wood child. There's nothing bad about a fire child. Um, There's nothing wrong or broken with them. It just means we have to help them adapt to their environment in a different way. So then there's a lot of strategies as far as lifestyle and routine that we can put into place to help them. For instance, with a wood child, they may need to get to school 30 minutes early so they can play on the jungle gym and get all that energy out. So by the time they're supposed to sit down and pay attention in class, they're not trying to rein in all that energy that they have. And the same thing for a fire child. And we may need to wake up a water child and get them outside and moving before they go into class so they're able to pay attention and focus equally as we do with the the wood child, but just for a different reason. So there's lifestyle factors. The other big thing is diet, sugar, artificial colors and flavors and preservatives, things like MSG. You know, parents may not realize that Campbell's soup, you know, has MSG in it and that's affecting their child's brain. And then a lot of the food at schools these days is terrible. When my kids were in public school, we homeschool now, but when they were in public school, I remember picking my son up at brunch recess 
And all the kids on the lunch food program had chocolate or strawberry milk and sugary danishes. And then for lunch, they would have like pizza or basically everything was super processed and just heated up in, you know, from frozen in, in a in an oven, and there was very little nutritional value. So a lot of these kids that are eating a lot of these toxic chemicals, of course, it's affecting their brain, of course, it's affecting their ability to focus. Because their spleen is malnourished. Totally, their spleen is malnourished, and their kidneys not nourished, so their brain is not nourished. It's, it just becomes a whole downward spiral. And sugar is another thing. It's sugar is also so hot. And we already have kids have all that young and then we add some sugar in there and these poor, of course they can't focus. I can't focus if I eat a ton of sugar. So there's a lot of education that has to happen and we have to help part of, I feel like what I do is, is hold the parents' hands as they are going through this process of realizing, oh my gosh, my kid is eating all this crappy food and I'm giving them too much sugar. And I didn't know, I didn't realize, I didn't read the label. So that's a lot of what we'll do with that. And then of course, the acupuncture itself is just so helpful for these kids. You know, they get that same rush of endorphins. They get that same calming effect that adults do when they get acupuncture. So you combine all of that together and it's a really beautiful combination to help kids that are, you know, diagnosed with ADHD or are hyperactive. Yeah. So getting needles into kids. (laughs) I'm I'm curious to know about how you do that and and if they're not copacetic with the pins are there other methods that you've got for activating the channels and the points to help them Absolutely so that is definitely a number one concern of all parents is like what is going to happen and the first thing to know about treating children is the treatments are a lot shorter so a lot of parents envision that I'm going to like have their child lay on the table for 30 minutes like their treatment, but that's not the case. So for children eight and under, I do what's called in and out needling. So I'll tap the needle in and take it right out. And then the other thing is children, I use really, really tiny needles. I use Siren J15 dark blue and dark green needles. These are the smallest needles available on the market and they're virtually painless. So when a, when a child comes in, after we've had the whole interview, I sit them down, I look them right in the eye and I tell them, you know, you and I are going to be partners. You know, I'm like a detective and I'm going to help you figure out what's going on with your body and how we can help it heal so you can, you know, feel good and run and play and do all the things you want to do. And then I tell them one of the things I use is um, are taps and I call the needles taps because of the fact that I tap them I in. I use taps. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's great. And taps don't sound scary. No, taps don't sound scary at all. Yeah, there's no negative connotation with being tapped as versus a needle, which they all think of a shot or a blood draw if they've had that. So, and then I show it to them and I, I lift it up and I show them this little tiny needle. It's so tiny when it's inside the package and inside the tube, like you literally can't even see it. It's so tiny. And then I take it out and I show them how tiny it is. I show them how it works, usually on the parents, so the parent can tell their child what it feels like. And then usually at that point, the child is either like, okay, I'll try it, or you know, they're giving me a lot of body language and signs that they're not open to it at all. So if they're open to it, they'll try it. And I would say nine out of 10 times, if they can get to the point where they'll, where they'll try it, they're fine with it. They realize it really doesn't hurt. They're kind of fascinated by it. 
And once they get used to it, a lot of times, even on like three and four year olds, I can let the needles rest for even 30 seconds to a minute. But then I still have eight year olds that we're still doing in and out. So it really is just dependent on the child. And then if they don't want the needles, this is the thing. I have non-needle techniques. There's no pressure for them to do acupuncture. And since there's no pressure, I don't feel nervous about their response to what I'm showing them. I really have no attachment to whether they have the needles or they don't have the needles. Because regardless, I know I can give them an effective treatment. And that energy of knowing that it doesn't matter it really relaxes the kids because they know I'm not pressuring them. I'm not, it's not like, oh, well, this isn't going to work or you have to do this. Or sometimes the pressure is coming more from the parents than from me. So I have to handle that. But then I show them all my different uh, non-needle techniques. So depending on which state you're in and what your laws and regulations are, your non-needle techniques could be um, a little microcurrent device. There's the Stim Plus Pro or the Pointer Plus. You could use a laser, you could use tuning forks, you can use just simply acupressure, you can use ear seeds, you can use acupressure magnets. So there's all kinds of ways that we can stimulate the acupuncture points without using needles. And because kids are so young, because they have so much young energy, it doesn't take a lot to shift their energy. It doesn't take a lot to get the chi flowing where it needs to flow or you know, moving it in the, in the different direction, it doesn't take much. And so there's a lot less pressure on me to do a lot for that child. The treatments are really short and simple, almost to the point where when I'm training new practitioners in pediatrics, they're like, is this enough? Is this really going to do anything? But after you know, almost 15 years of working with kids, I can guarantee you if you are, you still have to be present and grounded. You still use your chi to influence the, you know, whatever non-needle technique you're using. And it's just trusting that, that it will work. And it also takes time for them to heal as well. Is it a common mistake for those of us that are used to treating adults that we could very easily over-treat kids? I think so. I think it is that pressure of in the room when really in a pediatric treatment can take five minutes or less. Like it's really fast, especially if you're doing in and out needling, it'll be longer if you're using non-needle techniques because some of those have to, you know, hold on the points for, you know, 10 to 30 seconds. So it really just depends. But a lot of times it, it can make us feel like we're not, we, we want to keep doing more and more. And I think it's just a matter of trusting, like when you've made your diagnosis and you know what you're treating, just treat that. And then the other thing to do is give home care in between visits. So acupressure points that the parents can massage on a daily basis to reinforce whatever you're doing in the treatment. And probably what the kid's eating as well. Oh, yes. Lots of dietary uh, discussions and education has to go on as well. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles it's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. 
Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. You mentioned tuning forks. Now, I've, I've heard of these. I haven't used them myself. I know there's all kinds of protocols and this and that. And, and it seems like there's a bunch of different, I don't know, frequencies. I don't, I don't even know how you talk about this. Are there any particular, if somebody wanted to use tuning forks on a kit? I'm just, I'm just thinking for myself, boy, that would make life easy. Do you need like a whole you know, a bunch of different forks and know how to use different frequencies? Or is there one in particular that's like, yeah, this is good for kids? I really gravitate. I have the whole set, but I gravitate always to the earth tuning fork. It's the gold tuning fork. And I have two of them. And those are the ones I tend to gravitate towards for kids because it's so grounding. You know, a lot of what we're dealing with is underlying earth related issues. So it, it really is a good match. Moving along a little bit in years here, what about kids that are a bit older? Let's say you've got someone who's entering their teenage years. I mean, you'll see it both in, in girls and boys, but you know, especially in girls as they start to menstruate and the hormones start to come on and then they've got all this acne that happens. Yes. You know, first, a little tip about treating teens is I think a lot of practitioners, it's more likely you might see a teen than a, a child if you're not, you know, specifically specializing in pediatrics. And a really important thing to remember with teens is not to treat them like adults. Don't assume that an adult treatment is acceptable for a teen because I've treated teens who have seen other practitioners who used needles that were too big, too many and it really freaked them out. Like they they left and was like, I'm never doing that again. The practitioner didn't have a conversation with them or didn't give them permission to say this is too much or I don't want that point. When you're treating teens, make sure that you are checking in with them a lot. You know, things like liver three might be too much for a teen to handle. They might want to use a non-needle technique on that. Now for acne, for hormone imbalance, again, it's really the same type of program as for younger kids. We have to look at their diet their sleep, their stress levels. And, you know, there needs to be conversations about self-care at this point. And with teens, the hard part is they are now controlling their diet. They're controlling what they eat. They're away from home quite often. You know, they're at school or after school activities. So the parents don't have as much control over what they're doing. So there needs to be conversations about, you know, you're old enough to make decisions for yourself. And if like, for instance, one of the things I will often recommend with acne is that they quit eating dairy because it's so damp. There can be some resistance to that, especially if the teen is like eating dairy for most of their meals, which is can often happen. And so we there's like educational conversations that need to happen, explaining to them, you know, why, why is dairy a problem and how can you avoid it? And what do you do? A lot of this stuff I do with teens is like, well, what are you going to do if you go to your church youth group and they're having pizza, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? Um, how will you handle that? 
that will help them to empower the teen to make their own healthy choices. Some teens are quite motivated and others, you know, they're kind of there because mom wanted them there and they're not as motivated. So there's a whole wide range that you'll be dealing with. But sometimes you have to have parents leave the room and talk to the teen on their own. There are times when I feel like the parents are too domineering and the teen is not having a chance to really, you know, voice their own opinions or anything. So there's a lot more dynamics, I think, with teens than children, because with children, your parents have more control over what's going on. In the teens, you have to get them on board. And yet at the same time, with things like needling, you can't treat them like an adult. You almost, I mean, you treat them like something in between an adult and a child is what I'm hearing. Exactly. And most teens will let me do needles. They're, they're usually fine with it. But yeah, you really do need to check in with them and make sure that that they're okay with what you're doing because they're less likely to voice their discomfort unless you specifically tell them that that's okay. So what I'm hearing then is that often with kids and acne, dampness is the first thing that you're going to go looking at. Yes, dampness and heat. We're looking at where are those things coming from. And some of it is just the nature of the hormones, you know, of, of what's happening in their body. And some of it, a lot of it is due to what they're eating in their lifestyle. Because a lot of teens are eating too much sugar, uh, too much dairy, too much wheat, and they're also not getting enough sleep. So typically teens are getting an hour less sleep than they were a hundred years ago. And that hour is so important for them to, for their bodies to be in balance. How much sleep should a teenager get? Teenagers need between 9 to 12 hours of sleep. Well, that explains why my niece sleeps in so late on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for these kids because a lot of them have a full school schedule. They have homework. They have after-school activities. So a lot of them are not getting to bed until, say, 10 or 10.30. And then if they have to be up at 6.30 in the morning, if their body really needs 12 hours, they're getting a lot less sleep than they need. And that, in turn, can also affect focus. So it sounds like sleep is a, is a big issue, Make, making sure they get enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that can be a process because you've got to help them rearrange their schedule. And I think as parents are also really busy, they don't necessarily recognize that their child is too busy. And they may not realize that the lifestyle is influencing their hormone balance, their skin, their acne, and also their attitudes as well. And I noticed this with my my son who's now 14. You know, if he doesn't get enough sleep, all of a sudden I'm getting this cranky, eye-rolling teenager and I'm like, "Who are you?" And then he gets enough sleep and he's back to his, you know, normal, happy teenager self. So, it's really uh-huh. important. So watch for the eye-rolling. Eye-rolling might mean <laughs> more sleep needed. Right? Yes. <laughs> It's good to know. (laughs) You've really been working with kids a while. I mean, you've written one of the books. I'm curious to know what are some things that you've learned about treating kids that you might not find in a book? What I didn't find in the books and what I had to figure out for myself in the beginning was the actual process of working with them, that dynamic of working with somebody else's child that you know, you're trying to do something unusual, you're trying to, to put acupuncture needles in them. And you're also working with a parent who may be afraid or scared or worried or have all kinds of emotional stuff going on. Really, what I think is 
so important is building that trust and rapport with both the child and the parent and always remembering that the child is your patient, not the parent. So you you need to remember that there may be difficult you know situations coming up where the parent is maybe part of the problem. And remembering that the child is your patient is really important. But that trust is more important than anything else. If that child trusts that you're never going to trick them, you're never going to you know, distract them and suddenly put a needle in them that they didn't want. Once they know that they can trust you, they're a lot more willing to do whatever it is that you want them to do. And the other thing about kids is you really want to go with the flow. Um, Like I was talking about earlier with a toddler who's a wood type, you need to be able to be flexible. The treatment is not going to always look like an adult treatment. Sometimes I treat on the floor. There is one little girl I treated underneath the table. You know, sometimes they'll be on the table. Sometimes they'll be on mom's lap. Sometimes I have easy chairs in my office because it makes it easier for the parents to hold their child in, in their lap. And sometimes we treat there. So being very flexible is important. And also being patient and grounded with what's happening. So it's really important that your own energy is really grounded and that you're not afraid of what might happen in the treatment. In other words, if a child cries during a treatment, it doesn't cause me to be upset or I'm not worried about that child crying. It happens. Children cry. Sometimes children spontaneously cry about something that hasn't even happened yet. Just being very patient with the process and being sort of unflappable, I think, is one of the most important things you can be when you're working with kids to not let anything get to you because it's just, it, there's never a dull moment, that's for sure. Yeah, it sounds like there's never a dull moment. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it seems to me too that if you're unflappable, the parent is probably going to settle down if they've got anxiety. Absolutely. I think that that sense of that trust that I always believe there's hope for healing. And I will tell the parents that we may not uh, know exactly how it's all going to resolve, but I have hope that it will. And that, you know, unflappability of like, if they get worse one day, or things aren't going as well as we, we had hoped, or some other illness comes in in the process of healing that disrupts everything. It's just knowing, being grounded and not letting that distract or let you not trust what's going to happen or, or let that the child will heal in their own time. It's just, that's a really important part of it. Yeah. This is such a powerful thing. I mean, often, whether they're kids or adults, people come to us because they've already been to see conventional doctors and the conventional doctors say, there's nothing wrong with you. Or the conventional doctors say, well, we don't know. And I don't know from a Western doctor means the end, right? Right. Nothing to be done. And I don't know from an acupuncturist. It's not the end. It's a statement of, well, this is where we are. We don't know. That can actually build some trust. I don't know as a beginning. It's not an ending. That's where we start. That is such a beautiful point. It's so true. And I and I think that we have to embrace the mystery of not knowing and knowing that it's okay to not know. I have I never know when I'm working with a new client exactly how things are going to unfold for them. I only know what I what I see happening in the moment and embracing that mystery and and trusting that it'll all work out is is just sort of the beauty of the medicine. We are so lucky to have these kinds of tools that let us navigate in the dark like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Robin, is there 
Anything else that you'd like to say before we wind this thing down? You know, I would just like to encourage practitioners to get a little bit of training to treat kids. You don't need to treat every condition under the sun or even be a pediatric specialist to help the kids in your community. Even if you just learned the basics of how to treat kids and knew how to treat a few conditions, when that parent comes to you desperate for a solution for their child's problem, you know, it would be so beautiful for to have more practitioners helping kids because there are there are like millions upon millions of children with problems like ADHD, asthma, allergies, and eczema that could certainly benefit from Chinese medicine, and there just aren't enough practitioners around to help them. So that would be my my request. Go go get a little pediatric training and help kids in your area. You know, that's, that's nice to hear, and it's helpful to hear because so often it's easy to think we need a certification or we need to spend, you know, two years becoming a specialist. And you know, the the tools and the perspectives of Chinese medicine, if we can just get started with some fundamentals that can take us a long way, we can do a lot of good. We really can. I think, really, you have everything you need to treat kids already. It's just that little bit of training on how to deal with some of the dynamics of working with kids that can go a long way to making practitioners feel comfortable treating that population. It's great to know. Robin, thanks again so much for taking some time to be on Sheological. Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope your listeners enjoyed this podcast because I certainly enjoyed being here. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.